You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers Update, the Daily Cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com. The Daily Cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, hosted by Ryan Schlipp, the Pack Daddy. And I'm your host, JJ Leahy. I have a treat for you guys today. I have had some concerns about this Colts matchup. I don't think the Colts are necessarily a world-beater top team in the NFL. I don't like the matchup, though. So I invited my good friend, Coach Brian Hahn, to join us on the podcast today. If you're in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, no doubt you have seen some of Coach Hahn's videos come across your feed. He is very smart. Really appreciate the hard work he puts into doing these video breakdowns for us. But first, we do have some breaking news. Punter J.K. Scott did not travel with the team to Indianapolis. ESPN's Rob Domofsky reported this was due to a personal matter, and Scott is considered questionable for tomorrow's game. The Packers did work out a punter this week. Drew Kaser, who was signed for two days in 2018 when they were concerned that J.K. Scott's wife might be going into labor during a New England game. Also, although Jair Alexander and Kevin King were both looking very promising for this game, suddenly Kevin King popped back up on the injury report. His quadricep injury has been bothering him again. He is now considered questionable to play. This is a severe downgrade from yesterday's injury status for King. D-lineman Montrevious Adams does carry a doubtful game status. He did not practice all week. The Packers are likely without Adams. But looking at the other Adams on the offensive side of the ball, Devontae Adams appears to be ready to go. Alan Lazard remains questionable. He was limited in practice all week long. I have talked to a few people who thought Lazard was the one who was going to play and Adams would be out. That is incorrect. According to the info given to us by the team, Adams, yes. Lazard, maybe not. Bad news, Tyler Irvin confirmed out. EQ, Darius Shepard, Will Redmond, all questionable. I mean, come on, who cares? The Colts, on the other hand, are very healthy. No notable players are questionable. Now let's hear from Coach Hahn, who's beginning his fifth year coaching at McFarland High School in Wisconsin. And since it is the line and linebackers that I'm concerned about in this game, it's very fortuitous that Brian coaches O-line and outside linebackers. Thank you for coming on the show, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me, JJ. Excited for this. Yeah, me too. So I got four questions I want to ask you today. Sure. Uh, The first is actually a topic that you did a video on for Packernet, but not everybody who listens to the show caught your video. So can you talk to us a bit about why the Packers run game has been struggling the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. One of the struggles I've been seeing a lot in the run game is simple execution. Um, The scheme made sense to me. And as you start to break it down, the run game specifically is so very dependent on steps and first and second steps and all the tiny little things, not only from the offensive linemen, but from the running back, from the wide receivers, the tight ends, everybody has to work together in that run game. 
And I just saw a blatant lack of execution specifically against Jacksonville last week for Green Bay. So I know Adam uh, Stenovich, the O-line coach for the Packers, he's going to get that cleaned up. I'm certain that was a point of emphasis, and I'm looking for them to absolutely hammer the ground game against the Colts. Yeah, that'll be a really important part of the game, especially in establishing play action, which should be really big for us. So can you go a little bit further and talk to us about how do you beat this really talented Colts defense? Absolutely. Now the Colts, I mean, they, as you said, it's a, it's a great defense. They do things very well. I do think Green Bay has some opportunities with some inside and wide zone setups. Um, Indianapolis is primarily a forefront and a relatively gap sound forefront defense, which means the Packers have the ability to steer or set the strength of that defense. That's the nice thing about running against an even front. So a lot of times if you can steer or set the strength of the defense exactly where you want it, you can get some quality double teams at the point of attack. Then once Indy has to start folding those outside backers in to stop those four, five, six play or six yard to play carries, it obviously sets up the play action game. Indy loves cover one. They run a ton of cover one with a single high safety. So play action off of that hard inside zone downhill running scheme, um, getting Rodgers on the edge or getting Rodgers to break contain. It's going to be a tough day for those defensive backs, I think. So one of the things that has me really concerned is the specific matchup between the Colts and the Packers. I don't think the Colts are necessarily a world beater defense, but some of the personnel, especially with their strong interior pass rush here versus our interior pass defense, I have some questions here, especially uh, DeForest Buckner. Sure. And you're you're definitely right to be concerned with Buckner um, or, or both defensive tackles for the Colts. They can be incredibly efficient uh, defensive tackle wise. I think the saving grace is the Colts play in a forefront as opposed to an odd front, which are the three front, five front, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that really allows for some what's called man slide protection ability. Again, if you can steer and set the strength, then you have the ability to double team that really good one tech or two eye, that interior defensive tackle, which is usually Buckner. Uh, you have the ability to slide a guard over and help the center with them and then use that back out of the backfield to protect the bubble should a linebacker go ahead and blitz. So the Packers schematically have some advantages against a forefront, and I'm really excited to see how it pans out. Now, you were telling me, so with the Tampa game, you were seeing a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, and this isn't going to be set up the same because of how the defense lines up. Correct. Now, the defenses are going to align pre-snap very similar, but what Tampa does, well, first and foremost, what Tampa does is with their, their defensive pressures is just otherworldly. They can start to dictate some of the offensive line stuff. I haven't seen a ton of that with the Colts. Todd Bowles is an offensive line genius, and I think that's why he's so good with Tampa on the defensive side. And to be honest with you, I just haven't seen a ton of that with the Colts. So um, in that regard, Tampa and and the Colts are wildly different. Um, some of the, the jobs done by the defensive line, a lot of the times the defensive line for Tampa is simply asked to eat and steer blockers and allow those linebackers to come and fire in, whereas the Colts really want their defensive line to make plays and then allow their, running, or their linebackers, excuse me, to go sideline to sideline with it. That's really insightful. Thanks. My pleasure. Coach, last week, special teams looked absolutely abysmal against Jacksonville, and let's be honest, nearly cost us the game. Can you talk about what issues you see in there? Um, one of the things that I was incredibly concerned about was obviously the punt game 
Um, you heard the announcers talk about when J.K. Scott boomed that punt that was returned for a touchdown. You heard them kind of coming at J.K. Scott for that. And that is a, um, to me, that's a very lazy and ignorant take saying he outkicked his coverage. When you're beyond the negative 40, um, you're going to let your punter just go boom that sucker. See if you can get four, four and a half seconds of hang time and trust your punt coverage team to make a difference and then flip that field. The punt coverage team to me was wildly out of place. We teach those guys to fan out, expand the whole field. And then once that ball is caught, you're supposed to be in very specific lanes and shrink back in. And when you watch the clip of that, you have three to four guys at any point in time chasing each other in a straight line down the field. And that opens up wild lanes for that returner. And it also allows one blocker to take out those three, four, five guys, not with contact, but with a good angle. So all of a sudden you've got a bunch of free returners and free blockers moving up the field. I thought the punt coverage team was in very poor discipline. Another thing we noticed is in that Houston game, um, we could see Dexter Williams being compromised a bit on the right wing. And then Houston eventually took care of that by blocking a punt. Um, it's definitely something that has to get cleaned up. I would encourage the Packers, if I was coaching that, to increase their personnel on special teams. Make sure you have the right guys in the right position, be it a Jamal Williams or a quality running back and quality offensive or defensive starter or or uh, second stringer for you, just to make sure that that doesn't flip in what's probably a pretty tight game. Yeah, and the Colts really killed the Titans last week on special teams for sure. And something that is really um, underappreciated here in the last couple weeks is how many guys Green Bay has lost on special teams. Uh, I remember particularly when uh, fullback John Lovett went down, a lot of people started joking about, oh, no, we lost John Lovett. Who gives a rip? Well, a lot of people don't don't realize he was a major special teams contributor. And so that uh, definitely has been biting us, just the massive number of bodies we've lost there. You talked earlier about some of the regression or, or struggles that the offensive line has seen recently. But all year, a lot of fans have noticed issues with the defensive line regressing from last year. Guys not executing, uh, not playing up to their ability even from last year. Kenny, Zedarius, Preston, Rashawn, all playing down in 2020. Can you talk a little bit about what you've noticed there and, and where you think there is a path forward for these guys? Oh, for sure. And that's a great question. So to me, defensive line play is usually this this kind of strange balance between mentality and scheme. You you have to have a fire under you. You have to be violent and aggressive with your steps, with your hands, with your shock and shed ability. But you also have to be set up by the scheme as well. And lately, I know a lot of fans have been lamenting capers for not wanting to bring that pressure necessarily. Yeah, and then seeing what can happen with that pressure at the end of the Jacksonville game, once you do bring four, five, six-man pressures against an obvious throwing situation. So to me, it would be making sure these guys are lit up in practice, making sure that they understand that their jobs could very easily be on the line, just like everybody else in the league, making sure they're staying hungry and staying with an absolute fire, but also bringing some of the scheme aspect to it. Go ahead and bring some four-week pressures. Go ahead and bring six against empty. Those sorts of things where it's a little bit more risky on the back end, and that's where having Jair and Kevin King back and, and trusting some of your secondary players to go ahead and make a play like Indianapolis does, um, trusting that secondary to go ahead and bring some fire and see if you can change the game defensively with your front. One final thing, Coach, before I let you go. 
I have made no secret about my concerns about this upcoming game. Give us your projection, the score prediction. What do you see happening in this game? For all your listeners, understand I'm not a Packer fan. I'm not really a fan of any NFL teams. I'm just a fan of really good football. So with that being said, I'm kind of a neutral observer, but I truly see Green Bay stopping Indianapolis right out the gates with the run game and really taking advantage of some of their play action and plaster scramble um, abilities with shots down the field. I honestly, perhaps I'm a bit optimistic about this, but I see Green Bay relatively easily winning this one. I'm going to say 31-21 Green Bay. Wow, I love it. Hey, thanks for coming on the show, Coach. We'd love to get you back here again soon. It's all my pleasure, JJ. If you'd like to hear more from Coach Hahn, please follow him on Twitter at Coach Hahn and also get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group where Coach has been posting weekly videos for your enjoyment and education. That does it for today. For more in-depth analysis and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet Podcast, hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to Packernet.com and follow the Packernet Podcast on Facebook. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.